This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycast. Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. Good evening and welcome everyone. I'm Michelle Barber and you are listening to Stand Up Straight where we aim to provide a vehicle for the allied supporters to stand up for our GLB T&I community to encourage and create greater inclusion, share stories, give advice, create dialogue or introduce a new way of thinking but most importantly to facilitate change towards greater acceptance of our rainbow family in all its shapes and sizes. So tonight across the desk we've got the lovely Clayton. Lovely. It's, it's such a nice yes. word. It's well, not you, really that true. Would you but, rather yeah. me describe you in another way? You, you would describe <laughs> me differently before we came into the studio. <laughs> no, 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 no. And the equally lovely, uh, Bick. I was going to say, I hope I get lovely as you, well. You do. You are lovely, Bick. Bless. Um, You're lovely too, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much. Let's have a lovely end. You're right. <laughs> so before we get into to, uh, into tonight's show and introduce our lovely guest, uh, big thanks to Chris and Cam for a great afternoon's music and gossip and everything. Bit of uh, uh, bit of jocularity, I would say, and uh, to the informer that always bring us up to date on everything that's happening internationally. And a thank you and also farewell to Stephanie, who's going off to bigger and better things uh, in Tamworth. Hope she likes country music. I wonder how many th- times that's been said to her tonight. Uh, who's been reading the news for us? I heard it at least twice in the volunteer pod tonight. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's generally been from most people, I dare say. So, uh, so tonight um, we've got a really wonderful show and something that um, uh, a, a show that I've been looking forward to in equal parts and nervous equal parts. Occasionally, we're entrusted with a personal story uh, that is an honour, and this week is just that. Damien has been, a, been in Michelle and Stephen's life for nearly 10 years through theatre and through great friendship and is one of the kindest, most patient and empathetic people that I know. Had a major role in our production of Eight the Play that was part of Midsummer in 2013, a tremendous supporter of this program and has been a guest with us twice. Yet we were unaware of an, an entirely separate side. 
tonight Cheryl's story is one that is about disclosure, is humbling, but most of all proof that we must always aspire to be our authentic self. Cheryl, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Michelle. My pleasure to be here. I hope it is. I'm, I am nervous. Uh, just uh, I, I have uh, known Cheryl only quite recently mm-hmm. and uh, Damien I have known, as I said, for probably nearly 10 years and we've been very, very dear friends through theatre. Stephen and I have uh, known you and uh, you chose to come out to Stephen and I, I suppose, probably in about April of uh, March yeah, about, of this about, year about that time. in our lounge yes. room and um, and I'm, not, I'm always, as people that listen to this show, they know I would never want to offend and I don't ever want to say the wrong thing. Do we tonight and moving forward, do we, how do we refer to you? Do we say you're a trans woman or what do we say? Good question. Um, <laughs> I try and avoid the labels. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I was out to dinner last Sunday night with friends, Cheryl, and these friends who I'd known for a long period of time asked me the same question, and they also said, so does that make your girlfriend a lesbian? And I said, forget labels. I am, yeah. I am who I am. Um, it varies. It doesn't have fixed labels on it, and the relationships don't have labels on it either. Just call me the name that is um, appropriate to the way in which I'm presenting. And you say the way in which you're presenting, is that because mm. you present as Cheryl not all of the time? Would that mm-hmm. be why? Mm-hmm. And why... And, and, and Look, tonight we will go all different directions. We'll talk about last week and we'll talk about 20 years ago. But uh, is that because you haven't uh, disclosed to everybody in your entire life, so therefore you have to pick and choose, for want of a better word? Um, I talk about the concentric circles model. <laughs> yeah. So those who are at the centre of the circle, my family, my immediate family, no. My slightly broader family, no. The general community is the outside circle. doesn't matter. It's mm. the, one in, the ones in the middle between close and far out that predominantly don't know. So can I make a point about disclosure at, at the outset, I, I really see this through groups of people who might be listening here tonight. Those who don't know me and who are just listening to the story to get a perspective on life, I'm very happy to have um, question me, send in messages, ask questions, whatever you like. Very happy to talk about it. For those who are close and know, I'm hopeful that this just gives them a little bit more context mm. for their understanding of me. For those who know me but don't know this side of me, that's the important group tonight. The respect that I want is that if you're listening to this show, you have an affinity for the rainbow community. Yeah. I'm, I'm making myself vulnerable to you. Please respect that. I'd love to have a conversation with you. If, if you didn't know this but you're listening to the show and you want to have a conversation, please do. But please don't go and blab to everybody else about, oh, guess who I heard on the radio the other night? Because then I've lost complete control of, of the situation. But are you not – so what makes you have that – what makes you step off the edge today, tonight? And I know you're a supporter of this show and of joy, but why now in your life you're not in your – early 20s and starting out in life and, you know, you've got family Mm -hmm. and children, which we'll talk about as well. But why now then? 
<laughs> Is that another me? doozy? <laughs> Is that another doozy? I hope you've got a whole yeah, I do have lots of questions. But uh, There are certain points in your life where you make decisions about how you're going to live your life and who is going to be party to your inner self. Mm. And I'm at a different stage of life. I'm older. Um, The social circumstances are different. My family circumstances are different. And the way the community reacts is different. When I was 20 and first really starting to talk to other people about this, it was a completely different world. Can you, in a nutshell, what was it like in your small circle at that point? Did you have people that were like-minded, and we'll just use that at the moment. Is that term similar to people that you could talk to about it? The first contact I made was at about age 21 to Lifeline. Oh, goodness. I thought I was the only person like this in the world. So at that time, it wasn't in the press. There was no internet. I went to a Catholic boys' school um, and all the things that go with that. I thought I was the only person like this in the world. And when I rang Lifeline, they referred me to a group who at least gave me some sort of peer group to start having conversations with. And it was not all that long after that that I told just a handful of very close friends. So we're talking just roughly how many years ago was that? Nearly 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we uh, have to go for a very quick break and um, we'll let Cheryl catch her breath perhaps mm. a little okay. bit. That's and um, we'll come back and chat to Cheryl and uh, get to know a little bit more about her and her family and her story. You are listening to Stand Up Straight on Joy.
and going leaving. I drink some not one god given reason. Because my life is ten shades of gray. I pray all ten fade away. Sell the praise and for the seven days. And like his promises, truth won't leave my faith can undo. The many chances I blitz with to bring my life to a nip. Clear blue and unconditional. Skies have dried the tears from my eyes. No more lonely cries. My only leading hope is for the folk who can't cope with such an enduring pain that it keeps them in the boring rain. Who's to blame for two and gain into your own vein? What a shame, yes, you and aim for someone else's brain. You claim the insane and name to stay in time for falling rain or grime. I say the system got you victim to your own mind. Dreams are hopeless aspirations and hopes are coming true. Believe in yourself, the rest is up to me. Yeah. Talk it out. Educate yourself. Stand up straight on Joy 94.9. You are with Michelle Clayton, Stephanie, and our lovely guest is Cheryl. And uh, we're getting to know her and a life that is probably like no other. I just You're have to laughing point out, at me. Why? Uh, yeah, because you might want to look at the blonde to your right and just Not check Stephanie. the name of them. You just call me Stephanie. Oh, uh, uh, okay, so you be back tonight, then, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, look, I'm nervous. I've already said this. So don't put Go pressure on. on me like this. Another um, week of bullying back. If it's not about Taylor Swift, it's about, you know. Not being I Stephanie. Not being <laughs> Stephanie. I do apologise. Um, uh, uh, before we um, went for that break, we uh, were touching on um, uh, Cheryl referred to the, her first reach out to anyone or any organisation was Lifeline. So if, if we do touch on something or anything tonight uh, that you would like to talk to somebody about, it's 24 hours a day. Lifeline is 13, 11, 14. And there's also uh, QLife, which is the uh, switchboard, I think it's called, yeah, which is 1-800-184527. Cheryl also said that she would love to uh, answer any questions before and if you have any questions or comments or statements or you just want to tell her how wonderful she is, I'm sure she'd love to hear that. You can send mm-hmm. us a message, 0427JOY949 or send us an email on air at joy.org.au. Or Mushin on the front desk on 1300JOY949. He'd love to hear as well. So, um, Cheryl, you, uh, you were mentioning about you were probably about 20-odd or so mm-hmm. when you contacted Lifeline. So I'm wondering what you... Just briefly about how you, f- how, how, what age you sort of were when you felt different, or how did you deal with that knowledge, or did you not deal with it, you know, as okay. a teenager? Or my first recollection is at about age seven, mm. and this is—I think it's a funny story, but but you may not find it funny. Mm. Um, I live very close by to a primary school, and I used to ride my bike around the primary school all the time especially during the holidays. And I remember about the age seven, I was absolutely driven. Schoolgirls in those days used to wear a lot of hairpins. 
They dropped hairpins on the ground in the schoolyard and lost their ribbons. I used to find the hairpins and the ribbons and use them on myself at the age of seven. Oh, my goodness. Mm. And did you hide them? or mm-hmm. So even at that age you mm-hmm. felt you were different well, or that I, it was I, wrong? or Well, I, I certainly didn't know anybody else like that. No. So it, it was, looking back, I, I knew it was an odd kind of behaviour. And I would do it out of sight of the family. I didn't go back home looking like that, but mm. I was driven to do it. I was, I was very driven at that age. Did you talk to anybody as you got into your um, like early teens? Did you? So if you so, had this knowledge. So I progressed from there. Um, I've got two sisters, one older, one younger. Good relationship with both of them. And um, I used to raid my elder sister's wardrobe quite frequently without her knowledge. And um, at about the age of 13 or 14, that was really, really regular at every opportunity. And at about the age of 15, I was home, dressed, and my mother came home and found me. Makeup, hair done, everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did she and you, if you can remember, what was that? Th- so I freaked. Yeah. I went out over the back fence. <laughs> And our Labrador sat at the back fence and barked. So (laughs) I was over the back fence. There was a railway line over the back of our house. Mm. And um, I sat there until my mother's fingers appeared over the fence. And she discovered me. How do you move from that point? Because you can't unsee. No. You can't unreact. So it was a day that just the two of us were home. We went inside, had a conversation. She was in tears. Mm. Um, Did she understand, do you think? You know, no. we're talking a while ago. No. So, so what, I'll, I'll finish it. She, she asked me, have you ever done this before? I said, no. Mm. Still hiding it, still guilty. Um, she left it at that and we never spoke about it again as long as she lived. Oh, my goodness. Did you want to? Mm-hmm. Or did you th- okay, but you chose not to because it was a protective, you're protecting her or yourself or your relationship? Or? Uh, well, well, I still think, thought at that stage I was the only person in the world like that. Mm. Can I ask a question about that, Cheryl? When you um, talk about your sister's clothes and, and putting mm-hmm. them on, those sorts of things, was it a sense of relief or mm. comfort or belonging or what was – would you feel differently in yourself when you would do that? Yes, I did. Um it just felt uh, right. It's a freedom, it like just I felt said, yeah. right. It, it 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 is interesting. In my perspective, you have a you have a a perspective of what's going on inside your head, and then how you see yourself, how you behave, how you want to look, how you want to interact, are all flow-on effects from what's on in your mm-hmm. head. So if you've made that shift in your head, then Everything else just sort of feels right. You want the outside right. to match the inside, I mm. guess. Is that yeah, it just feels right. Yeah. Mm. Did you have, uh, as you got into your teenage years, a sense of where you thought your life would take you, where you would end up, or did you think that this was something that you could always push to the back and you just continue on and not ever have to, you just have to deal with it as it arose? That was how I was dealing with it through my teenage years. Um, I had one incident when I was about 13 which really threw me for a bit. Um, I was at an all-boys school and back in those days 
the school had an opera and the young boys used to play the female roles mm. in the opera. Mm. I was cast as the female lead in the opera. And I remember in one scene I had to kneel down and put my hand on the knee of the boy who was playing the leading male. Mm. And I thought, this is, this is too close. So I had to back away from that. I thought, this, how, do I, how do I separate who I feel I am or how I feel about this versus trying to be an actor in this circumstance? It was just so close. It was really challenging. How do you go from not wanting to run away and you went to university, Mm -hmm. you uh, were successful and still are successful, but you were successful at a very young age. Mm -hmm. You were, um, had a lot of people report to you. You have a lot of people that you're responsible. I'm I'm, I'm doing Mm -hmm. a very potted history. Yes. How do you have a state of mind that you don't give up that you end that you have desire and want to be successful how do you not fall apart and and, and just be a statistic or, you know what i'm getting at i'm trying how yeah, do you it is, not it is the most difficult management how? exercise so in my early 20s i told a few friends and um, a couple of them were particularly accommodating, so I used to go and visit them as a female. Mm. Um, and they're friends still to this day, so they were terrific. Um, but it 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 gave me very limited, uh, very limited scope for expression because the general society in those days, and we're talking the nineteen seventies mm. here, was not very up to date with this kind of issue, and there was lots of discrimination and and. I remember going into a shopping centre when I was in my mid-twenties and being threatened in the middle of a shopping centre. Were you fearful for your life? I wasn't. I was very careful about where I went. Define Um, careful. What do you mean? Pick the places that I went to so that I I would not put myself in a place where I was on my own at night, where it was dark, where I thought there were potential people who could take a negative set to me and mm. put me at risk. Is that still a fear that you have now? Much less so these yeah. days. Much less so. Does that come with age? Like as we all get older, there's perhaps a bit more comfort in our skin? I think, yes, it's a combination of that and the fact that the society is now mm. much more informed. Mm. But, again, I still pick the spots. Um, you know, I go out and I go to pictures or go out for dinner or things like that. But I would tend to stay closer to the city because the, the people closer to the city tend to be more cosmopolitan in view. How do you feel when you get looked at? Do you want for to a while it was for a while it was it was an issue. I was looking a little bit like the deer in the headlights for a while. Um, mm. So part of what I would do was fly under the radar. I would talk about flying under the radar, which was about trying to be out there but hiding mm. so that people wouldn't notice me. As time's gone by, I've relaxed a lot more. I still fly under the radar. I still try and fly under the radar, but I'm a lot more relaxed about it. And if people um, know who I am or they understand, um, big deal. I'll deal with it. Have you had somebody come up and say, I know your face. I'm not sure who you are, you know, um, and, and they don't quite realise... 
what the connection is. Have anyone recognised you that, or not quite recognised you? Not that I can recall. No. no. Yeah. Uh, we are talking with Cheryl. We're going to come back and get to know her a little bit more. And please, uh, if you want to send us a message, 0427 JOY949 to send us an email on air at joy.org.au. You're on Stand Up Straight on JOY. <laughs> It's a celebration. Hey you, stand up straight with Michelle on Joy 94.9. There's a blast from the past or perhaps only about 15, 20 minutes ago. You are listening to Michelle, Beck and Clayton who will be able to uh, speak. And ask I, I do speak, it's okay. Yes, he does. And, uh, Which is and good for someone on radio. On radio, it's, it yeah, definitely. it works better when yeah. you speak. Oh, it's like my mime is not going to work so well. No, we'd enjoy it, but you know. Uh, we have Cheryl as our special guest um, this evening, who is, I suppose, would you say, Cheryl, navigating through life? Do you like that? That's a really good term. It is. I really like that one, yes. We've mm. uh, had a couple of messages come in, Cheryl. Hi, mm-hmm. Cheryl. Glad to hear from you. I have found myself attracted to heterosexual men, wishing I was the female since I admired men when I was about 10 years of age. It's a lonely world for me, always wanting the unreachable unless I change my sex. And even then it's questionable regarding whether a male would accept me. Can you shed any light? This is from Adrian. He says, kisa, kisa. Good luck to you. And um, if you wanted to... Are you comfortable in asking that, answering those? Mm-hmm. Yeah? So your identity is different from your sexual attraction. Um, I'm far and away in the majority attracted to women um, but it doesn't mean I, I don't have an appreciation of some of those characteristics so there's been the odd occasion when I've been out with men mm. um, but no my my orientations pretty much stayed the way it was right from the start do you find that people don't quite understand how that can happen that you I, I I've heard um, people you know so if you have transitioned, then does that mean you're a lesbian or you're, you're straight or you're gay? People don't quite understand that it's, it, it's separate. They're separate as, issues. Yeah, yeah. So if I go back to a, your original question about labels, mm. we have a really binary um, society of binary language, binary expressions, and it doesn't cater for sliding through the middle very well. doesn't. And... I talk to people about sliding through the middle. Um, that's a great. That's a great way to view. That's actually going to change people's perspective. Hmm. I think. So, in the old days, I used to jump from one end of the binary to the other, but mm. these days I don't. I slide through. Comes back maybe more to that comfort in yourself. Do you hmm. think? That does. Yeah, maturity and and knowledge and discussing the issue with people over a long period of time mm. and self discovery. Yeah, that's a. I think that's huge. Mm. Uh, we met, touched on briefly before that you have children. You mm-hmm. were married. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And did your wife know you as Cheryl? Or yes, so it was quite a tricky one. Um, I I took the view at. So I got married in my early thirties. Um, that at that stage it was a, a, a regular part of my life but not a very public part of my life. It was a regular part of my life. And I took the view whenever I had a relationship that was developing with somebody, I would tell them. Mm -hmm. 
How do you know when to, though? That, that's mm. that million-dollar question. Well, my view has been as early as you possibly can. For because fi- be- there's a balance between a relationship developing, but if I don't put it on the table, then I feel like it's a, a sin of omission, if you like, my yeah. old Catholic mm. upbringing. <laughs> uh, a away. breach of trust. And um, I think I, I, I remember having the conversation with you and Stephen. It was the same issue. I felt like I'd been committing a sin of omission because here you were, oh. friends of mine for a long period of time, yeah. and there was a part of me that I'd never disclosed to you. So how do you broach that with, you know, and we, we're not asking for um, nitty-gritty, but how do you raise that? What are those first words that you say? Do you preface it with something? Or? Um, yes, and my younger daughter would say, um, I, I'm, I make people feel like they're about to enter the, the temple of doom <laughs> and gloom um, because the way I introduce it, she oh, something's terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah. And um, I, I generally say I've got something important to talk to you about. There's an issue I really want to discuss with you. Mm. And then I tell them. Have you lost people as a result of that disclosure? Occasionally. Um, I guess I'm selective in the kind of people mm. that I engage with. You're a deep thinking person. And I mm-hmm. would think that this does this perhaps help you in your decisions and your navigation because you think things through, and for, again, we're on radio, but Cheryl has a big piece of paper with lots of notes and arrows and sort of diagrams and things like that. But does that help you? Yes, I'd like to think that I do think yeah. these things through because the, the, the relationships are really, really important to me. Mm. And um, the relationships with my, with my kids are obviously paramount to me. My marriage was, was extremely important to me. Um, I'm widowed of, as of three years ago, so that, that had another impact. But um, it, it's about pecking order, where you place yourself and your needs in the pecking order. Oh, that's a really interesting... Do, does that mean that you place yourself second, third, fourth, tenth, below people? Because... Well, tell me why. That's really interesting turn of phrase. Um, when it's a relationship that's one-on-one, then it's equal. Mm. As soon as you're in a situation, or I felt when I was in a marriage and I had kids, uh, my priorities were fourth. Oh, fourth. So uh, do we assume that your children didn't know? Did you? What, what kind of no, discussion so, did you have? So there was a discussion at the outset um, shortly around the time we got, we got married. So Angela and I... Um, discussed having family and we both wanted family we're both fortunate to have family and the view was we spoke about this issue and we said we would not disclose it to the kids until they were of an age to understand it and accept it so that they would not feel that they had to try and protect either of us or defend themselves or be the potential subject of bullying or ridicule until they were of of an age when they could absorb it how I, I'm I'm wondering, and I only met Angela once or twice. Mm-hmm. What kind of person has that amazing capacity for support of you, but of mm-hmm. of um, wanting to create this phenomenal environment for children? That's a it's an incredible protective direction to take for for both of you. In fact, I find that astounding to, and and for you to have put your your needs and yourself to put 
down in that pecking order. I find that, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if brave is the right word. Do you consider yourself brave for that decision? No, no, I don't, I don't think I was brave. It was, a, it was a positive choice that we made. Mm. Um, and I guess when, when I consider my own upbringing and the difficulties that it caused me, I just didn't want to have my kids challenged or threatened or undermined in that kind of way at a young age. Did you, um, so at what point would you be Cheryl throughout your marriage life, married life? Was it either when they weren't home or when you went away for business or what, um, what happens? There were, there were certain circumstances, certainly when I was away on business, that was an opportunity for me. Um, so it was pretty common for me to take a mixed wardrobe with me when I was away. And would your wife know that that's what you would do? Would you discuss prior to going away or was she just... Um, Look, she knew certain things were happening that, that here's a funny one, um, I've got a shed down my backyard, all my wardrobe was in my shed <laughs> and it had a lock on the door, so my, my kids will probably be listening to this, <laughs> they didn't know as far as I know that there was a wardrobe in the shed with mm. a lock on the door um, and that's how I managed it, it was outside the house. Did you feel like you were leading two lives? Sometimes, yes. yes. There, it was very, very difficult. Is there mm. guilt attached to that? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. So there's this sense of I'm trying to be a good husband, mm. father, mm. breadwinner, mm. member of the community, um, and at the same time I have this compulsion which is taking me into a space where it's not in the rest of those other things that were important to me. So it was really, yeah, it was really schizoid. Your um, children, um, you said they might be listening tonight. Do you Mm -hmm. hope that they are? Do you think they're going to hear a different part of their Um, parents' story? I I expect they, if not tonight, they'll they'll catch up on the podcast, (laughs) I expect. Make us sound lovely. Curiosity, they both know that I'm on. Can we talk about them for a little bit and and how do you um, have those discussions with your children? You have a a unique relationship with both of them, but both Mm. for quite different reasons. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share a little bit about your two children? Look, it changed a few years ago um, when Angela died. She she was sick for... uh, four years um so their teenage years were pretty tough dealing Mm. with a mother that was that was dealing with cancer and um when she died there was a a piece came to me that i was now a single parent and i thought this part of um my life and myself still needed to have an expression and i took the view that my kids were now of an age where they could at least comprehend mm. and understand mm. and the other thing was that I didn't want them to discover something by accident yeah. and if something happened to me it, it was there was a big potential that they'd find out by accident mm. so there was in my mind I had to give disclosure so there's another issue mm. in here and mm. I'll keep talking and tell me to stop talking <laughs> if, if I keep rambling my eldest um, exhibited some similar characteristics um, during their teenage years mm. and Angela came to me uh, when my eldest was about 15 and said I think one of our kids has similar issues to you mm. um, and she knew about 
my story with my mother. She said, what, what would you have liked? And, and I, my comment was, I wish my mother had have been able to talk to me about it. In a parent-child relationship, the responsibility sits with the parent to have this conversation. For a child to bring it up is difficult. So we, we took the view that we wanted to have a conversation with our child. And um, Angela also said to me, you need to tell this child about you. Yeah. It's time to tell mm. them about you. For all sorts of different reasons, that conversation didn't happen and she died. Mm. So when I was then a single parent, and I'm talking maybe six months, nine months after the event, I thought, I've got to tell my kids. I have to tell them. And um, what happened was one day... I was stressed at home because at this stage I'd taken time off for work. I was just dealing with all sorts of personal issues. And I was stressed at home and my eldest came home and I did a runner again. (laughs) (laughs) True to form. True to form. And um, I thought, no, I've got got to tell him now. So... um, I did the, I've got something important to tell you, introduction, <laughs> and it was, oh, gosh, don't tell me you're sick too. Um, <laughs> and I, so I, I told him at that stage, and he said, look, do you mind if I tell my girlfriend? No, that's fine. He went outside, told his girlfriend, came back in 15 minutes and later and said, I've got something important to tell you. <laughs> I'm the same as you are. We need so. to put that. That's too good a story. We, um, I want to come back and we want to hear how that uh, transpired. Mm. You're listening to Stand Up Straight on Joy. I'm so fancy. You already know. I'm in the best lane. From LA to Tokyo. Hi, my name is Bella and you're listening to Stand Up Straight with Michelle on Joy 94.9. We are joined tonight by Cheryl, there's Clayton and uh, Beck and myself in the studio. We um, were just chatting uh, about Cheryl and her children and how she has uh, disclosed to them. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what, uh, what happened with your eldest? So, um, yeah, that, that conversation took place about two years ago. Um, she has, in the intervening time, undertaken uh, gender counselling and has now transitioned to full-time female mm-hmm. and is working as a female and um, is under the care of gender specialists as she works through that issue. How um, Does that feel like you have almost got the ultimate ally in each other and then your daughter as well is in this position of 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 care of both of you because you're both going through different journeys, although similar in some ways. What a dynamic you would have, the three of you. Yeah, it's a different one. <laughs> no one would – you couldn't write this. No, and look, I'm, I'm very conscious of um, the relationship that I have with my children, the older one. Um, our relationship is far more open than what it used to mm. be. There is a lot more disclosure of – key issues. Um, I I talk about relationships being lived through a lens, through a filter. Mm. And for for those who don't know, 
there is a bit of guarding of the conversation or the things that you will talk about. When people know that, that filter disappears. Mm. So it was like the relationship that I had with my eldest had a filter on it, and now that filter is virtually gone. So we will talk about all sorts of things. At the same time, though, I'm conscious that I'm still father to two kids who Mm. still need a father. Mm. And my younger child, um, I have a fantastic relationship with as well, and I don't want to undermine the fact that I have a father-daughter relationship. Does that mean that you're down the pecking order again? In a sense? Um, uh, I I view it less like that these days. We've uh, had a message come in from... uh, Amy. Amy. Uh, She's all the way in Muscat. Hi, guys. Your loyal listener and Beck's friend has tuned in. Really enjoying hearing from Cheryl. And thank you for sharing your story, Cheryl. Thanks, and um, we've had a message come in from Gail, who is the oh, person. Uh, Hi, Gail. Uh, that, and uh, <laughs> Cheryl and Michelle sending lots of love for this amazing and brave show. And that's uh, look, people will use that word brave a lot. Thanks, Gail. Um, but do you are you not comfortable with that? Uh, I I tend not to use it. I th- I think of of my eldest, who demonstrates a lot of courage. But I, I have this view that vulnerability breeds a greater depth of relationship. Oh, so, yes. So the fact that – and the stories with Gail, for well, people won't know, that I turned up to your place for dinner mm. and you thought Gail knew and she didn't. Yeah. And, and it you was, walked in. Sure Gail, was. confront this. Yes. <laughs> That's one way to tell her. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but the outcome was that the depth of the conversation Absolutely. was terrific mm. and the warmth of the relationship – and I know Gail's listening – it goes to another level as Absolutely. a consequence. How did that differentiate between meeting somebody and telling them before they met Cheryl and someone who didn't know Cheryl in, in like Gail's situation compared to others perhaps? Um, I try not to confront people sure. um, mm. because I don't want to shock them. I, yeah. it, it's, it's this sense of I try and gauge whether people are able to handle it or not and there are some people that I wouldn't tell because I don't think they can handle it. But I would prefer not to shock people because that's not fair. Um, my other question was, you talked about um, your daughter, uh, your elder daughter, ha- having a bravery, or you, um, you didn't use the word brave, actually. You courage. Courage. Mm-hmm. So if um, she has courage, shouldn't you use that same label for yourself? I'm not as courageous as she is. Okay. Wow. And- I, defer, I defy anybody, the thousands that are listening, to, uh, to say otherwise. It, I'm... Um, we, we're not going to have a lot of extra, a mm-hmm. lot of time. So I'm curious as to how you're, um, you're in a relationship now. Yes, I am. And how, when and how did you discuss, how do you broach this, this subject again with someone new that you want a future with? Or We went out for dinner mm-hmm. and I told her. Just that blunt. And... Uh, do you remember her? Was it what? What kind of reaction? Or was it just the same as we're all? You know, um, she was terrific. Is still terrific. Mm. Um, she just took it on board and then said, "Okay, um, that's okay." Do you think it's a special type of? Or okay, do you think that we are even by nature are we at, at sort of drawn to people that are going to either be like-minded? or share some similarity in the way we feel and think? Oh, certainly. I would think so. So, so It's very difficult to conduct any kind of 
depths of relationship with somebody that you feel will be totally opposed to something which is part of your core. Mm. Um, I'm fortunate to have some terrific friends who, like yourselves, are broad-minded and um, uh, able to deal with a whole range of issues and, and accept things and accept people for the way they are. There are others who, for all sorts of religious or political reasons, don't. And they drive me nuts. You know, I've only got to look at the the conservative right at the moment. Oh and, gosh, and, that's another. You know, I nearly throw my phone out the window of the car every time I hear from them. And this them. is um, as we, we've um, known for a long time. You are one of the most placid people I've ever met mm. in my entire life. Uh, we've had a quick. Uh, Love from Megzi. Megzi is part of Transpositions, who okay. um, you may mm-hmm. also have heard, Cheryl, sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know you I, listen. I, I listen to them. I know. <laughs> it's really interesting that um, throughout the years, I've, um, Stephen and I have known Damien, and it's always been a supporter of this show and of Joy. And it wasn't until Cheryl had this conversation with us that it then made sense as to you knew so much about Joy and you knew about all the different shows and I thought you know that's a really passionate ally Mm -hmm. and that's how I viewed you I suppose and that wondering how what kind of allies have you had was your I wonder if your wife was your biggest ally or your she was a big supporter and I think we determined to to manage things particularly through many years but I think as years went by um, we were anticipating that that a, a greater deflex, greater degree of flexibility was going to creep into our arrangements, if you like. Mm. It didn't need to be so strictly controlled. Yeah. Um, that music playing quietly behind us is uh, signalling the top of our hour. It's a subtle mm. hint. It's a very subtle <laughs> hint. Very, so it'll um, get turned up soon, and the lights will start flashing on. So I want to thank you so much, Cheryl, for coming in. There is uh, another page of questions that I would have had, mm. and I dare say you've got the similar. Uh, I, I think you're brave. I think you're an absolute and utter inspiration to any person on the face of this earth. I, you, you carry yourself with such beauty and such grace, and um, I'm really, really glad that you chose my show to come on and well, talk well, on. I'm glad that you invited me. <laughs> As I try and navigate, to use your term, I'm navigating. You are, and beautifully done. So thank you so much for joining us. And consider it an open invitation if you want to come back and have another chat. I'd love to. We have uh, got a lot more things to chat about. Mm -hmm. So thank you again, Cheryl. Thank you, Clayton. Thank you, Beck. Well done. Got it right this time. And uh, (laughs) up next at 8 o'clock is the Spirit Lounge, and at 9 o'clock it's the Bears in the Woods. With my friend Jason. By the way. And uh, next week we've got some folks from Headspace coming in to chat to us. So as someone once said, be kind to one another. You've been listening to Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. You're listening to Michelle on Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. She's my mum. You can find more Joycast and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au.
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.